Hi, hello everybody, and welcome to Two Moons Podcast with me, Jess, your host. And this time, recording the podcast, I have my friend Brooke Merrick here. Hi. And Brooke (laughs) is a a doula, an intuitive, a spiritual person, a wonderful friend, and also a a person who microdoses for their mental health, which is going to be the topic Mm -hmm. of the podcast today. Yeah. Anything to add about yourself? Your photographer, a doula, a <laughs> spiritualist, a rock star. Uh, I wear a lot of hats, um, and that can kind of give you an idea of how my brain works. So psychedelics have definitely helped me to function in the brain a lot better. Oh yeah, so yeah. not a lot to add. <laughs> <clears throat> well, thank deal. you, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to start us out with a reading out of. The Tao of Joy Every Day, which is something that I read a lot on my socials and I try to share with as many people as possible. And these are teachings out of a book called The Tao Te Ching, which is a piece of Chinese philosophy, and this is just an expansion of that piece of writing. And so I like to start out um, my day by reading this book, and so I'm going to force you to do it with me. Here is day 188, Four Keys. Chapter 57 of the Tao Te Ching starts out talking about how the king rules, but ends with a description of how the sage lives. These seem to be two different topics until you realize that they are both directed at you. Specifically, Lao Tzu talks about the four things to minimize, attachments, chaos, interference, and desires. Minimizing attachments means taking action without obsessing over specific outcomes. To be attached is to get in the way of your natural excellence. Minimizing chaos means quieting the noise of stray thoughts and self-talk in the mind. Without internal quietness, you cannot deal with others with calmness and composure. Minimizing interference means letting people be. They have their own paths to walk. Interfering in their business will only cause disruptions. Minimizing desires means easing up on the never-ending cycles of material acquisitions. It is a bottomless pit that only leads to more desires. The Tao today. These are the four keys to a private kingdom of your life. If you wish to rule wisely, now you know what to do, or more precisely, what to minimize. I like that. I felt like that was pretty aligned with... Yes psychedelic mental health therapy (laughs) literally when I when you were reading it I was like oh wow wow this is perfect I really like that it's all about perspective I know and I think that was one of the things that drew me the most to using psychedelics for my mental health was what I was reading so much about the perspective changes that people had and it was just I just I just could not change my perspective of myself my life my experience I was stuck in cycled thinking and rooted in beliefs about myself that I didn't feel like I could change. Literally. That's any time I've ever tried to deepen my life or better my mental health in any way, shape or form. That was what I was always like desperately pleading for was this shift in perspective. I am so severely self-aware that I could not figure out how to get out of what I was experiencing, even though I knew I was experiencing denial. I was limited with the information that I had, so I could not switch my perspective. And I exhausted every single quote-unquote safe resource. The quote-unquote part is just like, I was told it was, you know, these Mm -hmm. resources were safe or whatever, and they didn't do anything. I got to the end of the road where I was like, I need a perspective shift, and I don't have a tactile way to do it. What do I do? I've done all the things. Not to mention that people who have a lot of self-awareness, such as yourself, myself, (laughs) when we go to talk therapy, traditional modality, (laughs) you know what I'm going to say, traditional modalities of therapy, the first thing that a therapist always says to me is, wow, Jess, you're so self-aware. And it's like, yeah, bro, that's the problem here is that I'm suffering. Exactly. And I felt like microdosing was able to be my therapist without being using the verbiage of, wow, you're so self-aware. <laughs> exactly. As a means of connection, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's this thing that I think about a lot is like, I don't know if this resonates for you, but for me, for so many years, I was 
Like, I wish that there was a me to help me. And I didn't mean it in, like, an egotistical way, but I just knew <laughs> that I needed somebody with my depth of thinking to help me. And that is how the medicine helped me. Mm -hmm. It's like I needed a me for me, and I found my me for me through that medicine. The craziest part about that statement is that the me through me was me. Exactly. <laughs> the whole time. Yes, it was always me. Yeah. And that's one of my loves of psychedelics too, psychedelic therapies and treatments is that I really got the opportunity to take my power back when it had been stolen from me just too many times in my life. Yep. And I did not know that I, myself, me, had any power at all. I didn't. I didn't think I... I I did not. I thought I had experienced all the power that I had in my life, and I was at the end of the road, and what do you do now? Right. Not to mention being told that I had to be powerless in order to find anything in my life yeah. worthwhile. Yeah. Which would be an entirely <laughs> other episode of a podcast. Which I hope, too. I hope that that will be a podcast. That would be such a fun roundtable to have a couple of I us like who table. have left um, Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's cool. <laughs> to have that experience because my experience with a lot of things started out with Mormonism which I converted to in college and then I left that and the next thing I went to to seek out help outside myself years later was Narcotics Anonymous and so it's like these things that were really intense had these great seeds of inspiration and then once I grew out of them and needed more it got really weird <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's a lot to speak on with that. But, yeah. But that is one of those fundamental things, and that's a good like jumping off point. Is that powerlessness? Like from from. I always felt like I have so much power as a human, and I am meant to use big power mm -hmm. because I experience life on a very large scale very large scale and I mean that as like the intensity in which I experience it I'm autistic and ADHD super sensitive super connected and it's a lot all the time and so I've always known that I had a lot of power fundamentally as, as a being and so to say that I'm powerless over something like logically it made sense like at this moment yeah I can't stop using these things to help me feel better because I can't feel better you know, like, yeah, maybe in that sense, because my body got addicted, but never once have I been powerless. I always have the power inside of me. And that's mm -hmm. what psychedelics really help me deprogram and rebuild is that power inside and that being connected to a larger power of oneness. I like the way you put that. Thank you. I've thought about it a lot. Well, I mean, it's, I think that being in 12-step recovery complicated my entrance into psychedelic therapy greatly and I know that you can relate to that yeah. and that pulls me into like my first little question that I have written down in my notepad in my phone is I if for me there was so much fear around doing psychedelics for my mental health in microdose form I was just terrified because I had been in 12-step recovery for like 20 years so I was mm -hmm. scared to death about it and so you know what for you were some of the biggest fears about doing microdosing therapy well can I give a little background on how, what led me to that please okay so I my journey did I start with recovery you know um, and I didn't start using psychedelics at all recreationally or otherwise until I was about 25 because I always knew that it wasn't the right time and then when it was I and I used them recreationally I also use them responsibly. So I only ever had a good relationship with them. So then when I got clean, I went through all of this programming to help me not focus on, on drugs. But what that did was that led me to travel. And I know this is disjointed, but it led me to travel. Long story short, all these things happened and I went to travel. I was in India at the time. There were several places I went to. But while I was in India through this year long trip, I met myself like I knew that I was going on this trip to be without all of the things in my life and I just needed to be on my own and during this leg of it I was traveling with a friend that I met while traveling and she is amazing she is a Scorpio so she was very comfortable with intense emotions um, and she also had a background in recovery mm -hmm. um, from a different state and 
our relationship really shined a lot on my shadow and I worked through it at that time and I struggled. I was struggling with who I was. I was struggling with my body. Eating disorders were huge at that point in my life and I didn't know what to do. And at that time, I was listening to a ton of podcasts that um, had to do with spirituality, psychedelics and things like that. And Shane Moss is a, a psychonaut <clears throat> that had, I first learned about it and I was like, I need to microdose. This is the only thing because I can't keep act, like feeling like this or behaving like this because I also projected a lot of stuff onto that person. Mm. And she was there for it. And so I was like, I need to get better so I stop harming people. And at that time we couldn't find mushrooms in India but we found another psychedelic and I did it on a small scale. Um, it was DMT. I did not blast off. I did not do anything insane. I just know I needed a shift in perspective because I was harming people. Yeah. And the the hostel where we were staying, it was off season and we, we stayed there for weeks. They didn't charge us. We kind of worked, That's but so awesome. it was so fun. He's like, I've had this DMT somebody gave me for a really long time and I never thought it was mine, but I think it's yours. So we all went to the beach. It feels a little divine. It was divine as fuck. <laughs> it, it's literally, he's like, I'm not like super woo-woo or anything, you know, but this is, this is what we need. And so they took me to the beach. I never was too crazy, but it shifted my perspective. And I was mm. like, holy shit. And that was, that was the desperation, you know, that gift of desperation that they talk about in 12 step. I had that. And that was the medicine that came to me. And it was the first time that I was faced with myself and a decision of trust. And I was like, I trust myself to take this risk because I need some help that I've, I've not been able to receive. Mm. Um, and after that, I had context, but then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a drug addict and I just relapsed and everything, you know. The programming. And, and it was the programming. And then when I got back from traveling, a lot of life stuff happened and I needed some more help and I decided to microdose when I finally had the stuff available. Um, what was your question? What were some fears oh, going the fears. in? The fears of going in this round of, of microdose journey for you. So <clears throat> the fears were that I would not be able to trust myself not to overuse these things um, because I had the programming of being a drug addict and the rhetoric of I was powerless and if I put any of these things in my body that I would go off the deep end. Out of control. Out of control. And so once I had context with something like DMT, where I didn't even abuse it, I didn't even use it in the whole way that people use it. And I had context and I didn't go, and I was still traveling after that. I could have done anything I wanted. Mm -hmm. I didn't. After that, I decided to smoke weed, but that wasn't even... I didn't even make that decision yet. I made that decision way later on, but it was because I built trust with myself from DMT, you know, and it was always that. But the fears were that I was going to lose control, mm -hmm. that I was going to disrespect the medicine, and that the respect that I had from people would go away. Because when I was also in Narcotics Anonymous, I created, before I knew I was autistic, I created a whole specific personality around it. And... I, that was my safety, and I was terrified that not only would I go off the deep end, but everybody would leave me, even though I had context that this was going to help me save my own life. It's scary. It is. And it was terrifying because I'm a person who has lived my whole life with not being afraid of death. Um, I have a lot of familiarity with unaliving and unaliving tendencies, and it's just a very part of my threading of a being. And it was the first time that I realized there was something that could help change my perspective of, of that being my only solution at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. That is part of the reason why I started microdosing is that I was, I had a new baby and I was so suicidal. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, right. I'm either going oh. to leave right. permanently or I'm going to try this one last thing. I had tried to take <clears throat> tricyclic antidepressants for my depression oh, prescribed yeah. by my doctor because I also have chronic pain and so they thought maybe that would help and that those medicines gave me panic attacks every 30 minutes mm -hmm. for three days and I've never been so close to ending my own life in my whole life it was so scary and I thought oh my god mm -hmm. I tried what the people said right. I tried to go to therapy I tried to tell them I was struggling I tried the medications and I feel way worse 
and I had been reading about microdosing psilocybin and how that could be helpful, and I was in such a place of desperation, I was willing to do anything. Oh my gosh, me too. Anything. Yeah. Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind, was just coming out during this time. This was like 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I came back in 2019, so this must have been 2018. Um, and that really helped battle the messaging in my own brain around the shame. Like there was scientific evidence of, and this Michael Pollan himself was like a cynic. And, and there was just evidence that I could wrap my brain around that wasn't coming from my own brain. So I, I couldn't subscribe to the rhetoric that your brain is trying to kill you and it is going, you know, the 12 step your disease is going to kill you and da 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 And like I had a lot of evidence that was like, no, that's not the case, you know, because I have a deep history of trauma in the pharmaceutical world. Like mm. until I, I understood my, where my brain is now, I was misdiagnosed bipolar God. years ago and like was in the system. And the laundry list of intense medications that I have been on is absolutely insane and so not only have I I have experience to tell me they didn't work but I also have trauma and so but I also had pressure in recovery to are you sure it's not time for you to try meds and nobody would fucking listen to me yeah nobody would listen to me and I was like no I'm not going to try meds and it's not because I'm being stubborn and I actually did give in and try one and it really messed me up and I was like see that's what I'm saying. Those antidepressants made me crazy. They made me yes. so depressed. They made me panic, panic attacks, full-blown, yes. cardiac. It was horrid. It was. And it's not to say that those don't have a place or, you know, whatever for for people with different things. But in my experience, they weren't used safely and responsibly, and people didn't listen to me. And so something like this. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was afraid of, too, was, like, that I would lose control. But what I learned about microdosing is that... It wasn't, it, it, it was subperceptual. I wasn't going to lose my mind, you know? And so I really had to lean into my trust of like, I know I'm going to like that feeling because I have a great relationship with psychedelics. Am I going to be able to use it responsibly? You know? And I did. And there were even times where I had a little bit more and I like would go to work and just be a little more elevated. And what I learned, and I was like, I know I wanted this, but I, how, why am I using it like this? You know? And what I learned is like, with, with my brain and stuff and my proprioception and stuff, my body can't always read different things. And mm-hmm. so I got to show myself that I do have safety even on a microdose day. If it was a little higher than normal, A, it was okay if I enjoyed it. B, I didn't lose control. And C, like that doesn't even happen anymore because I got to build my relationship with the medicine safely, you know? Um, and it was a choice that I made and an internal choice and, and the fear was that I couldn't trust myself. Yeah. That's hard. That's a hard one to overcome. Yeah. And I think really early on in my journey, I was super into Ram Dass. You're not going to – I'm not – I like Ram Dass. I enjoy his writing, but – Your mm, relationship has shifted a little. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, I leaned really heavily on Ram Dass. He uh, had a lot of writings about his relationship with psychedelics and using it as medicine, and something that really stood out to me in the beginning of my journey was him talking about the intentions and how that will guide your – way and every time that I microdosed I made it such a ritual and an intention that it felt impossible for me to abuse that right there was no way for me to abuse the relationship that I had built with psychedelics because it was like a every time I microdosed it was at night my baby was sleeping my partner was home I ran a bath I knew it wasn't going to make me wig out I would be with myself in the bath write in my journal cry create like this ritual of safety and I love that it's different for everybody that's not everybody's relationship with psychedelics mine was totally different and still is and that's so cool because I remember you sharing that with me and there are times where I did treat it like that but like I want to be that and I'm learning that I'm not like that consistently and when over the last few years of because I've been microdosing off and on since 2019 at this point I was naturally and subconsciously using it for social anxiety. And it was a game changer. Mm -hmm. You know, I 
just, I'd like to say, retired from the restaurant industry after over 20 years of being involved in some way, shape, or form. And I would microdose before work often. And in the last couple of years, that was the only time that I really needed, not necessarily, but the main time that I would need it. And that's why I mentioned, you know, sometimes they would be a bigger microdose than others, but it was because I needed it socially, and now I know why, you know? But it's, and that's what I love about mushrooms. Like, I microdose ketamine now um, through my naturopath, and I can speak on that at, at a different point, but psilocybin was my main um, thing before, and I forgot what I was gonna say. I lose my train of thought, but they were different, and it's different, and I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I do that a lot. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> That's the universe. Of Somebody's like, going to okay. laugh. <laughs> Somebody's laughing. And I trail off, so if you ever need to interrupt me for being too long-winded, please do. I am very long-winded. I feel like there are no rules. Podcast land is so fucking lawless, man. It's, it's so true. lawless, That's, bro. The ones that I listen to are the ones that are like this, though, yeah. where they're like real people talking. They don't cut it. I don't cut my few TikToks. Man. Either. The couple Duncan Trussell podcasts that I've listened to where he's gone on about aliens for 35 minutes Literally. uncut, I'm like, you know what? My podcast is fine, man. It's all exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sorry, Duncan. We love you, Duncan. We love you. We love you, Duncan. I also wanted to bring up, when people contact me about microdosing a lot, I've started talking about it a lot more openly. Yeah. And I wanted us to talk about some of the biggest questions that I get. Mm-hmm. And number one that we just talked about were what are some of the biggest fears people ask me. Mm-hmm. And then another question that I get a lot is what are some of the negatives? Quote, co- I'm quoting, air quoting. Sure. Because I don't like negative or positive in those like such black and white terms. Right. But there are some, um, I don't know, rougher sides of microdosing yeah. for sure. And I think it's important to talk about those. Yeah, I would say one of two things are coming to mind. I'm trying to verbalize them. So the first one isn't necessarily about the medicine directly, but for me, one of the negative sides was having to really navigate through the shame and the fear of what other people would think and how they would treat me and how that would affect my life. Even though I, I chose to do it anyway, I was ready for those changes, but it was scary. But that also leads me to the next thing is I think that there's, because a lot of people have contacts with psychedelics is like, a fun experience or with meaning to be fun because obviously we all know about bad trips um you're not doing this to just have a bi- bypass we're <laughs> not bypassing shit it is literally the opposite it's in mad light <laughs> and it is going to shine you the shit and that's even what a yeah. quote-unquote bad trip is it ain't a bad trip that's the stuff that you're shining you're choosing to let that medicine shine the light on on whatever is needing to be shine and you have to sit with that and so when using this is what i tell people when using this medicine you really need to be ready to look at yourself and do that work because if you don't you could potentially cause yourself harm that's such a good point you have to be able to do the work and you need to set up yourself a safety system of support when you're doing inner work anyway and when you utilize psychedelics to do that you're for lack of a better term leveling up to do some pretty serious work i think it's very 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 important that when you're doing introspective work on psychedelics for mental health therapy uh doing shadow work any of those things it is so essential vital if i was going to say there's one thing you have to do and i don't use that word very often it would be that you have to have a way to ground. Have to. Have to. It is, and that's one of the things I like to teach people are accessible ways to do that. Yes. To do that because it's literally Same. critical. You are using a medicine coming from the planet. You need to connect yourself to the planet to not only have the full use of those medicines, but also to ground yourself to get through that stuff. You're literally unearthing yourself. Yes. Unearthing yourself. You have to have another soft place to land. Yes. And whatever... Uh, modality that you choose to ground yourself be be it whatever it is I think that it's absolutely vital with psychedelic therapy whether you're doing that with um, your doctor or on the low low whatever you're doing is that you have a way to ground yourself through some really 
treacherous grounds, man. Yes. It unearths a lot of shit. It does. And it just, just with any intensive introspection, exactly. Like think EMDR and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. I have trauma from EMDR because my facilitators didn't do it properly. That and sucks. they didn't integrate. They just stopped me in the middle of my treatment and I didn't know what to expect. And that caused harm. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you need to set yourself up with a support, mm-hmm. a way to integrate and all of that stuff. And, and like an easy example of this too, because you had mentioned um, Ram Dawson, like set and setting come up. Even with microdosing, set and setting can be important in your intentions. Like there were, uh, there was a show that I wanted to go, or that that I went to. I did not want to go with it. I went to a show I didn't want to go, but I was going with a friend. I took a microdose, and I thought that it would help me socially with the anxiety. And what it told me is, this isn't the place for you. It heightened my anxiety because I needed to leave. Uh. And it's and now looking back, I'm like, well, duh. I took it to bypass because I said yes to something I didn't want to it do. It just doesn't work. Right. You can't. And so I was like, oh, well, I need to go. This is the <laughs> place for me. I'm sorry. But that's and that's, that's why yeah. like, I don't think it's negative. But it's real. I agree. And it's challenging. Yeah. God. I think another quote negative is... <clears throat> no, I I did not know anybody personally who was microdosing. I was yeah. using Reddit and the subreddits of people who are microdosing to get my information. And mm-hmm. nobody had really talked about in depth, and I didn't know how to ask these questions, right. about the changes that would occur in my family dynamic yeah. and with my friends because of my perception changes. Yeah. And I think that that could be a negative. That could be perceived as a negative, depending on how you look at it. Right. But that has been something that has been very challenging <sighs> for me to overcome, is the perception of my family has changed a lot, mm-hmm. and all of my friendships has, have changed. All of my friendships have changed. You can't changed. see the things you learn. I can't. Me neither. I can't. Right now, I can't even watch TV or movies, except kids' ones, because I work with kids, and so there are kids' movies yeah. on often. And now I'm like, okay. I can get with this message. <laughs> I like nature docs too, but like some of the other stuff, it's just I can't enjoy it anymore. I, I I cannot. I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I just need to turn into a tree yeah. at this point. <laughs> but I I don't really see that as a. I don't see that negative. as a negative. I don't I don't honestly see any of these things no. as a negative because my perception has changed. Correct. And that's why <laughs> these are such funny questions to me whenever I get DM'd and it's no shade to you <laughs> if you DM these to me. I love you so much for doing it. It's funny to me because the negatives and positives of microdosing have changed and fluctuated so much over the years mm-hmm. because I started microdosing in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, my relationships have all changed. My relationship with myself has changed Ugh. a lot. My relationships with psychedelics have Ugh. changed a lot. Same. I don't even microdose as much as I used to. In the beginning, I don't need to. I'm, I have developed a really strong mindfulness practice, which takes the place of microdosing a lot for me. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I think that... Part and I'm segueing into some of the positives of microdosing mm. because I think that when I describe to people of like if you're a good here's if you're if you're experiencing these things you would be a good candidate for microdosing and one of the things that I list is if you have treatment resistant whatever <laughs> ADHD <sighs> treatment resistant depression that's me, me. treatment resistant <laughs> anxiety that's me mm-hmm. you know like all those you know, we can't figure out what the fuck is wrong with you diagnosis, Mm -hmm. then microdosing might be something that works for you. Yeah. And here's my theory on why, aside from all of the other obvious stuff, is, and this is not going to be a full-on rant of capitalism. I'm just going to let you know. I'm here for it. I know, but... (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are too. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So what I always trace things back to is capitalism. Like, Treatment-resistant depression, well, I don't think these things are getting better because at this point we've done all the self-work and we'll continue to do that, but the outside world keeps capitalism. It's capitalism, and it's capitalism. And so what the changing of perspective does is helps you cope and figure out a way to, to live because we have to or we're, we're really choosing to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And it's like, at that point, I don't believe in these, like, I don't believe as an autistic ADHD person, and trust me, like, my needs are high. Um, I don't think it's a disability. However, it is in our capitalistic structure. And so at this point, all I can do is continue to learn how to shift my perspective and work with the information that I can. And the only way that I've had success doing that is with psilocybin and lately with ketamine. Literally. Otherwise, it logically doesn't make sense. And so participating in it gives me absolute nervous system dysregulation. Yes. So it's like, that's to me the only logical thing that can help because at this point we just have to figure out how to paint that shit out there and cope with it and make it worthwhile. I think that I lacked emotional regulation so much before microdosing <sighs> that there was honestly... I didn't I, even know what it was. Girl, there's no way that I could have processed my trauma. There's just no, there's just no possibility. Mm -hmm. And the microdosing allowed me space mm -hmm. to gain emotional regulation, mm -hmm. thus being able to heal some trauma. Literally. It's like a whole little mm -hmm. system. It is. It I, truly is. My ther I've been in therapy. <sighs> Christ. Literally for as many. Forever. Yeah, as soon as, because my parent, my dad, said that all of my emotions and everything I did with them was for attention. So the second I left, I got a therapist and I had, I had insurance through college. So I've been doing it for over 20 years. Never once do I remember hearing the term emotional re regulation, let alone like doing anything about it. And, and yeah. I always educated myself. So I thought my emotional intelligence was my emotional maturity and emotional maturity is literally your ability to regulate. I could not regulate. After I completed my bachelor's degree in psychology and still lacked so much fucking emotional regulation, <laughs> I thought, oh my God, man, what the hell? Right. Well, let me ask you a question. Because maybe there's people out there that like still don't really understand because I'm really only learning. What is emotional regulation to you then versus now? Okay, emotional regulation to me then, pre-microdosing, college attending Jess, emotional regulation meant that when something came up and happened that you did not react to it. <laughs> That's fair. I probably would have agreed. Elsa it. Stuff it down. Conceal yeah. it. Don't feel it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's regulated, which is... It explains why I had explosive anger. Literally. Jesus. Now, emotional regulation and being able to have uh, some intelligence of what's going on is to feel the entire array of human emotions when they occur. Yeah. And to support myself through those moments. Mm. That's it. I love that. And that's literally based on experience and context, not theory. Not like there's this thing out there. We got to read all the books to get there. No. no it's, it's in there. It's already in there. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that people often understand that even when you have really good emotional regulation, whatever that means, and, and if you don't know what that means and I'm just saying words that you don't mean, then I'll use different words. If you, if you feel like having a good response to what's going on around you that that makes you like sound of mind or whatever it's not it's it's not what makes somebody emotionally regulated what makes them whatever is the ability to see themselves through the storm mm -hmm. to take a breath to hold their own hand and to calm their own nervous system like that's emotional regulation mm -hmm is to bring yourself back to homeostasis. Yes, oh, that's such good verbiage around it. And that's, that is exactly what I've gained from this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know what the missing link for me was? Because a lot of my chart is Aries. And again, I'll probably say autistic a million times because I'm in the first year of learning about it. And, and it's important. It's important. And I want to talk about it. And I'll say it a million times so people can identify it in themselves too. But uh, see, then I, I forgot what I was saying. You have a lot of Aries in your chart. Oh, yeah. And so I'm an external processor. Yes. And I need to, to be able to do things 
out loud and I never was able to navigate it. But as I've taken these psychedelics and been able to slow down and watch this stuff in real time, I have learned verbiage around it. I've learned to talk to my friends and learned what it means for me to regulate and how to get myself there. And the most profound part about that is the way that my brain has been able to slow down for lack of a better term and navigate those steps inside of the emotions. So my emotions are huge. There is no hiding them. Never has been. But I can navigate them now. I can reach out mm-hmm. to a friend and say, I'm going through it right now. I, you know, And then they're like, dude, that sucks. And next thing you know, oh, I'm regulated. You know, and then even from there, I experience excruciating physical shame and humiliation when I do that, even to my closest friends. But again, because of the microdosing, I I recognize it and I get myself through that and I use my tools. I have had these tools and so many tools for 20 plus years, but I had so much education and no concept of how to use it. God. Because I couldn't. And nobody taught me that, but even if they tried, it was just more education and less regulating. And that's, I don't, I think that, I'll I'll segue, if you don't mind, into the ketamine. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I had used the, the psilocybin as a social, that helped me with social anxiety and what the ketamine has done within that space now that I've been able to, to navigate that is that it's helped all of the parts of my brain, instead of argue, they're working together. And so all of these different parts of my brain have had aid with these psychedelics in very small ways that now there's functionality happening. Choices can be made in heightened situations. The heightened situations, they are fewer and further between, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think all of the things come together in that, but it is really the capacity and ability to navigate those freaking seas. Yes. You know, and and the part of the brain that has accepted that's the thing and not that the things are just going to go away and we're never going to feel that anymore. I think, too, psychedelics open up a part of the brain that can accept the absurd. Yes, that is such a good way to put it. Because life is fucking absurd sometimes. And sometimes just, like, it's just crazy wild shit's going on in the world, in people's personal lives, just like, it's, it's absurd. And I feel like microdosing has helped open up that world of accepting that piece of life and letting go of the desperate control of chaos because we can't control the chaos of life. But, um, little old me really thinks that I can. Same. (laughs) And that's the human condition. And I think that's the piece of the, the, the divine aspect of the medicine too, is these medicines are operating in different realms and in different ways than we can even understand, in my opinion. Yeah. And that that's a piece of the medicines too, is that, that absurdism piece. I am at peace with the fact, and it's more logical to me, with the fact that there is so much going on that can't be seen, that more happening than, than can't be seen than can. And... There's uncertainty with that and a void that cannot be filled with that, that the human condition is to want to fill that void. But the psychedelics and the microdosing and all of the tools coming together holistically create a peace with that void. And maybe that's just how I'm made up, but it has made me feel peace. I don't have to fill that void with mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. I, you know, I don't have to fill it anymore. The void is part of the existence. That I really do. I think the void is probably the human experience of being separated from all that is. And the void is just wanting to go back to that. Very profound, bro. Thanks. I'm a Pisces. What? (laughs) (laughs) But it is. It's been that missing link because I always lived in that space. I knew shit was going on. Like, when I was five, I was talking about the universe. I'm excited that microdosing is getting so much popularity and traction. I know that sometimes... That can be frustrating when things get really popularized. Yeah. But it's important that so many people are talking about microdosing for mental health because uh, this is my personal opinion. This is not a medical <laughs> opinion or medical advice in any way. This is just my oh, yeah, little dumbass. No, no. This is just my 
the little dumbass personal opinion, but there are so many, in my experience, mental health medications that have complicated my mental health and physical health further and um, really skyrocketed me into the depths of depression Yeah, that have been really hard to get out of. Uh, my time on Lamictal. Oh, that was the worst one I ever took. My time on lithium almost killed me. I was not having a good time. Seroquel was very, very hard on my body. I ended up going into some liver failure later in life. How fun. And so it's just like, and that all comes from a misdiagnosis of being bipolar when really I was just an autistic adult. I remember you telling me you were bipolar. I'm not bipolar. You're not bipolar, neither am I. <laughs> But I got misdiagnosed, and I thought, well, I mean, there has to be something wrong with me. Right. And I thought that was it, and it was never that. And so, you know, I, I think that microdosing has given answers to questions that plagued me, like, my whole life. Like, what is wrong with me? Right. And after microdosing, for not even that long, really, I came to the conclusion that there is nothing wrong with me. I live in a, a weird society. Right. And that's, I think, that's the, what makes me think of that fine line, right? Like, the fact of the matter is that these psychedelic medicines are helping us bridge this physical reality to the, re, the spiritual reality that we live in. And I really do think that mental health stuff and all of these things are a part of trying to exist in this reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that is the magic of it, but also that's where we we use, we gotta use things responsibly and mindfully and with gratitude because we can't bypass stuff. We can't. We have to lean in. Psychedelics and being so heavily in the subreddits is how I was introduced to shadow work. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Somebody in the microdosing subreddit when I was like, well, I don't have health insurance, I can't see a therapist, but I still want to do stuff. I also am not in 12-step recovery anymore. Help, I need help. And somebody said, well, have you ever thought about shadow work? So I got to a Googling. Mm -hmm. And Google led me to this one girl's Etsy and TikTok. And I bought her workbook, and it was the first workbook that I did. And so, like, I think that... You know, the, the path with psychedelics is definitely one that is riddled with introspective work, mm-hmm. um, grounding work. There's, there's kind of no way to dive into yourself with psychedelics without doing something. No. You, and that, I think, goes with responsible use, too. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't like talking about things that put pressure on people to do it right. But I can say with, you know, some strength in my voice that responsible use is not only going to benefit yourself, it's going to benefit society. Because with anything, we things can turn harmful. And if you use these things and don't look at your stuff, you could start acting out. You know, I don't know. But responsible use is important. I tell people that start microdosing and talk to me yeah. that uh, you will get in, you will get out of microdosing what you put into it 100% so if you really 100% if you are in a place where you're like okay I'm diving into myself I'm doing this thing I'm on this path I'm in this bitch if that's your mentality then you'll probably get a lot out of microdosing absolutely absolutely if your mentality is I don't know about this this seems kind of woo-woo and stupid don't do probably it. not gonna get anything out of it no no I, I, yeah no and I don't, I, I communicate with the medicine, like I, you know, and so when I talk to it and I set my intention, I'm doing it as a conversation. And so when I also think about that, I'm like, there's this being that is helping you through this medicine because mm-hmm. fungi are more of a being than anything. They're not plants, they're beings. Oh yeah. And like, you got to respect it, you know, other, it's not going to do what you want it to do. You know, yeah. I even yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, but I'm gonna plug the movie The Fantastic Fungi. If you oh remember. my gosh, oh my so god, good. I saw it in the theaters in this tiny I'm so little jealous. theater. <laughs> I'm so jealous. It is such a great movie and uh, increased my love for <sighs> oncology so much more. Me too. They're incredible. I want to meet Paul Stamets. 
don't know. Here's the plug. Paul, if you're listening. Oh my gosh, can we meet you? We live in Oregon. We love you. We do. I got to see him. We're obsessed with you. I saw him in 2020 because I was on the side 2020. I didn't end up doing a whole lot of active work with them because the pandemic ended up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was on that committee to like get people in Portland to sign up for it. We got to see him speak at the Schnitz and he is just, he, they are working through him. He is not human. He's like half He's mushroom. Mycelium. He channels through Yay. mycelium. Like I swear there's mycelium coming out of his feet. I love him. He's a channel. He's um, good. Yeah. And so that he, Michael Pollan and Paul Stamets are two fantastic resources um, to really bridge that gap from people's perceptions of quote unquote woo woo and then actual science, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, cause this is something like that is scientifically backed, um, which is cool, you know, more than cool. If you want some woo woo stuff about microdosing, I would suggest really anything written by Ram Dass. Oh, absolutely. That he, the podcasts and stuff that I was listening to were about heavy with Ram Dass. I think that he's a great uh, beginning teacher of psychedelic medicine great and how advocate. to dive in. Um, that is how, what introduced me to a mindfulness practice, which has been A1 for me. Mm-hmm. Very, Same. very helpful with um, emotional regulation. Um, I have not punched something in a long time. <laughs> That's really <laughs> Fat on the back to me. My meltdowns are much less severe. <laughs> it's helpful for real. And... Um, Thank you, Brooke, for talking about psychedelics. I'm going to use the little bit of last bit of time that we have to talk about the retreat that we have coming up. Brooke and I have teamed forces. Each of us individually have done a retreat. Brooke did a retreat last November, Mm -hmm. uh, a spiritual retreat. And then this past summer, I did one, uh, a campout retreat in the summer in Individually, we both were beyond stressed. It was so much. It was so much. And so when we broke down and talked about it together, we thought, damn, we should just join forces. So that's what we're doing. And yeah. it's been dope. It's awesome. It's awesome. So Very we're excited. teaming forces. Tell us about the retreat. Um, the retreat is going to be in Moala, Oregon. Um, if you're like me and didn't know, there is this beautiful corridor of this spectacular old nature and literally such big old trees old, i was shocked growth. oh yeah and it's it's incredible i had no idea that was out in Malala. um and so it's this retreat center right along the river um family owned and so the vibes are great the lady's so nice she's amazing and last year um because that's where i held it last year um her husband wasn't even on the property for the weekend it was just women and I got to go up to her house and pick DVDs because we did a movie night. Um, and I got to hang out with her and her family for a little bit. Like, it's just that vibe, you know, that familiar home vibe. But what we're going to do is we're going to connect. We're going to experience each other and our inner child. We're going to do work around that with yoga, being in nature, making art, dancing, moving, talking fire, you know, all of that stuff. And it's really just to get in tune with ourselves, but really to build community, Mm -hmm. you know, and have a reprieve from the outside world for a second going into the holidays and going into the winter. Yes. We named it the Winter Renewal Retreat. Right. And it feels like this theme this year is integration, Mm -hmm. um, which is a great build off of this conversation um, because the part that we, we didn't talk about Um, which is a huge topic and there's no time, is integration and what that actually means and how to do that so that all this work that you're doing actually has a use in your life and and changes the trajectory of what's in front of you. Yes. Um, I think that's a huge part of um, some of the activities and workshops at the retreat is integration. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a shadow work workshop of giving some history of shadow work. We're going to do some journal props, but for the most part... We're going to be talking about the practical application mm. of doing and living, looking at yourself wholly. Mm-hmm. Because really it's like a lifestyle of introspection. When something comes up, when you're triggered, when you have a reaction, having an active shadow work practice and integrating that into your life is being able to take that moment to investigate the roots of where that's coming from. And so I'm going to talk more about that at the retreat. And I think that um, Brooke and I were planning out some good integration activities, both for physical, like doing physically and also 
little journaling yeah things I love too that. I love it because integration is quite an abstract topic mm-hmm. you know um, and it's so different for everybody literally, exactly <laughs> and that's what I love uh, like now we have again we have context to be able to say all of us are different here's a bunch of tools that can meet all these different needs mm-hmm. um, that we've learned and to simplify it for lack of a better term too because our brains overcomplicate things and I think integration can be really simple yes we're gonna have some mindfulness some meditations guided meditations a walking meditation probably I love to meditate and I'd be meditating constantly (laughs) so I will definitely be meditating um it's gonna be great their information for this is up on my website twomoonscraftspdx.com the links are in my bios and link trees all over on my socials be sure to like and subscribe wherever I don't know what to say at the end of stuff all the things yeah thanks yeah I, I think know. this would also be where I plug but I don't really have anything to plug right now I'm in a big transition in my life work is transitioning <laughs> I will say that uh if you are in need of photography services in the Portland area Brooke is the one to go maternity family photo shoots we're using Brooke for our family photo shoot I'm about to do headshots headshots <laughs> I probably need headshots too I should uh, honestly just are you, st- are you doing Reiki still? I, again, like, yes. And what I would like to focus on is holding space, like, retreats, Reiki sessions, and photography. Yeah, yeah. But I also work with kids, so who knows what it's going to be narrowed down to. But right now, I, I'm not in a place to, like, offer sessions. But stay tuned with Two Moons. When I am, I will put that information out there. I'll definitely be sharing it. So if you follow me, you'll be hearing yeah. about what Brooke's doing. So if you're interested in that, then follow my socials. I'm always trying to plug my homies. And yeah. I had a past life reading done by Brooke. Oh, yeah. I'm good at those. You're so good at <laughs> I them. forget. Okay. To me, I feel like I'm not good enough at all, but they're pretty good. <laughs> I was crying, man. So does it, does it still feel like it makes sense and, mm-hmm. like, it's valid? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm concerned. I'm like, what if I'm making this stuff up and people – but they'll know. They're like, this doesn't apply at all. And so I like little follow-ups where I'm like, does it apply? Does it make sense? They're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a triple earth. I'm literally cynical. <laughs> yeah, if, if I, that's if true. <laughs> I, nah. It was definitely very good. So oh. when Brooke is doing that again, I'm definitely going to plug her. Thanks. And thank you so much for being here. And thanks for listening. Yeah. And I'll be back. I'm going to try to do a podcast once a month. It's a big yes. commitment. So I'm going to try to do once a month. But we'll see because we've got the retreat coming up. <laughs> <We> <laughs> but <do>. anyway. <laughs> Okay, bye.